This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Russian missiles targeted energy infrastructure in multiple Ukrainian cities. Ukrainian officials said a power supply facility outside the capital, Kyiv, had been hit. A facility in the Zaporizhia region was hit by drones, according to the regional governor. Several EU foreign ministers called for fresh sanctions against Iran over its transfer of such kamikaze drones to Russia. Britain and France were joined by America in complaining that Iran and Russia violated terms of the UN Security Council resolution that endorsed the nuclear deal of 2015, which America scotched in 2018. Liz Truss, Britain's Prime Minister, apologised for mistakes in her signature economic programme. Almost all of the tax measures announced in her fateful mini-budget were reversed on Monday. The U-turn calmed the market but did not repair all the damage. The Bank of England has postponed a sale of government bonds until conditions improve. 30-year gilt yields remain well over 4%. They were 3.75% before the budget announcement. The S&P 500 share index climbed by 2.7% on Monday, boosted by stronger-than-expected earnings at Bank of America. Quarterly revenues at America's second-largest bank leapt by 8% year-over-year, though profits declined. As interest rates rise, banks are enjoying the spread between the cost of borrowing and lending. At BOA, this net interest income was up by 24%. China postponed indefinitely the release of third-quarter GDP data, with an official telling Reuters that the delay was due to adjustment to work arrangements, without providing further details. The figures were due to be published on Tuesday. Analysts expected the data to reveal weak growth because of the zero-COVID policy and property sector slump. Speaking at the ongoing Chinese Communist Party Congress, Li Keqiang, the Prime Minister, insisted that the economy is recovering. China is planning unification with Taiwan on a much faster timeline than previously thought, according to Antony Blinken, America's Secretary of State. Mr Blinken suggested China may achieve unification by force, but said America would honour its commitment to help Taiwan defend itself. On Sunday, Xi Jinping, China's president, said complete reunification of our country must and will be realised. ExxonMobil, an American oil supermajor, said its position in Russia's Far East was unilaterally terminated, with a 30% stake in Sakhalin-1, an oil and gas joint venture, transferred to a Russian entity. Exxon, which had been winding down its Russian operations since May, called this an expropriation, potentially laying the ground for a legal challenge. Its Sakhalin-1 holdings were valued at more than $4 billion. Shehan Karanatalika, a Sri Lankan writer, won the Booker Prize for his novel The Seven Moons of Mali Almeida. A biting satire set during the Sri Lankan Civil War, the book follows a gay, gambling-addicted photojournalist trying to make sense of his own murder. The committee said it dissolves the boundaries not just of different genres, but of life and death, body and spirit, 
east and west. And fact of the day: sixty percent, the drop in Meta's share price since it rebranded, wiping out half a trillion dollars in its market value. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. How to defeat kamikaze drones? America's army plans this week to publish a request to weapons manufacturers for better technologies to defeat loitering munitions known as kamikaze or suicide drones. Recent Russian attacks on Ukraine with an Iranian-made drone, the Shahed-136, including deadly volleys launched at Kiev on Monday, have shown just how destructive they can be. The Shahed, martyr in Persian, is not exactly stealthy. Ukrainians call them "quote flying mopeds." Ukraine claims its armed forces have shot down 75% of the drones launched by Russia during this war. Some have even been destroyed with small arms. But kamikaze drones are relatively cheap and so continue to be used often. America's Joint Counter Small Unmanned Aircraft Systems Office (JCO) will issue the request for better countermeasures. The systems should be able to stop kamikaze drones that weigh between 25 and 600 kilograms. Defense contractors must meet what one JCO official has called "quote an aggressive timeline." They aim to finish testing the kit within a year. Proposals with lasers and microwave jammers are expected. Netflix is swayed by advertising. Quote, "There's not easy money there," said Reed Hastings, Netflix's boss, explaining in 2020 why the world's biggest streaming service would avoid the advertising business. So why will Mr. Hastings spend an earnings call on Tuesday telling investors that, in fact, advertising is just what Netflix needs? The company's recent share performance explains the U-turn. In 2020 to 21, when Netflix added 40 million subscribers amid COVID-19 lockdowns, the company's stock soared. But this year, subscriptions have stalled and investors have fled. Netflix shares have fallen by two thirds since November, torching nearly $200 billion in market value. Can ads turn things around? At $15.49 a month in America, Netflix's standard plan is the priciest of the main streamers. By contrast, its $6.99 ads included plan, launching next month, will undercut rivals such as Disney Plus and HBO Max. Cost-conscious households may downgrade or sign back up, but as Mr. Hastings knows, there is no longer any easy money in streaming. Florida's Senate candidates debate on Tuesday night. Florida's Republican Senator Marco Rubio will face his Democratic challenger Val Demings in a debate. The state's race is worth watching, and not just because it could decide control of the Senate. Mr. Rubio is a Cuban American who has served in the Senate since 2011. Ms. Demings is an African American Congresswoman. Her nomination signals a shift by the Democrats towards more moderate candidates. As a former police chief, she can push back against his claims that she is quote dangerously radical. The race also highlights the attention and money pouring into the Sunshine State. Mr. Rubio has raised around forty million dollars, and Ms. Demings around fifty million dollars. But Hurricane Ian has complicated their campaigns, not least because President Joe Biden praised the cleanup efforts of Ron DeSantis, the Republican governor running for re-election. Polls show Mr. Rubio ahead of Ms. Demings by nearly five points. 
In the debate, he will argue that Florida is a former swing state that has permanently shifted towards Republicans. Voters on November 8th will test that claim. For more about the midterms and the race to control Congress, explore our model at economist.com. The BBC's 100th birthday. The British Broadcasting Corporation is 100 years old on Tuesday. For a century, it has parceled up triumph and disaster, then distributed them to the British and around the world. During the Cold War, it even had a recording ready for use in a nuclear apocalypse. Quote, This country has been attacked with nuclear weapons, announces a silken-voiced newsreader on the now-released recording. In its early days, the BBC employed no journalists. Quote, There is no news, ran one crisp bulletin in 1930. Today, it broadcasts in 42 languages to 492 million people, and its news is trusted worldwide. That contributed to a hugely successful first century for the organization nicknamed Auntie. But its second will probably be less so. A fifth of British young people watch no BBC content at all, arguing that all British households who watch television should pay an annual license fee of £159, or $180 per year, which funds the BBC, will thus become more difficult. This is a birthday with less than a celebratory feel. The Hauntingly Beautiful Tale of Till A new film tells the story of a radically motivated killing remembered as one of the darkest incidents of segregated America. Till, which was released in America on Friday, portrays the horrific murder of Emmett Till, a 14-year-old black boy in Mississippi in 1955. Till's two white killers were later acquitted. Rather than focus solely on the abduction, torture, and shooting of Till, the film centers on the victim's mother, Mamie Till Mobley, as she frets over his trip from Chicago to segregated Mississippi, learns of his death, endures the trial of his killers, and eventually becomes a civil rights campaigner. Danielle Deadweiler delivers a strong performance as Mamie. She is joined by many well-known black actors. Whoopi Goldberg plays the mother. Chinoya Chukwu, the director, handles the toughest moments, including a full-body shot of Emmett Till's mangled and bloated body with sensitivity. The film is worth viewing, both for its historical import as well as for its artistry. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday. What American cultural institution was established by President John Adams on April 24, 1800? Monday. Which credit card used the slogan, quote, Don't leave home without it? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Ingeborg Bachmann, who died on this day in 1973. No, I don't take any drugs. I take books. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. 
and subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.